We knew this wasn't going to be easy coming in. I, I think if anyone had said, hey, uh, at the start of the series, we're going to give you an opportunity to go into Minnesota game six and win the series, uh, and game seven is going to be at home, you know, we would have taken that. We had an opportunity tonight. We worked hard, didn't get it done. We'll regroup and look to get it done in game six. It's time for VGK ringside reporter Stormy Bonatoni on Cofield and Company. We are kind of dumb and forgetful. So yesterday we were talking about that Mike Malone, Michael Malone clash with Cassidy Hubberth when he snapped at her. She's like, hey, Mike, it's Michael. So we had promised all week to call everyone by whatever the opposite form of their name if they've got a you know a full form or shortened form of the name. Right, like earlier we had a Rob on. We already blew it. We, didn't, we, call, didn't, we didn't call him Robert. Or Bobby. Or Bobby. Yeah. We didn't that, do it. It's our whole goal for the week. And it and lasted two hours. We're back to, you know, we're, we want to get back on track. And now we have Stormy on. I, I don't, is, is Stormy short for like Stormaletta? Like, is it? <laughs> I don't, I think that's what, I don't know. Like, much like mine, we discussed, like, there's really not another it's way to Adam. say it. Yeah. I think Stormy is in that same boat. Stormy, what do you got? Uh, it's short for Stormacy, actually. Thanks for asking. <laughs> no. Is it really short no. for something? No, oh, come on. Awesome. Stormacy? That's awesome, actually. <laughs> you should That's, go with that. Yes. <laughs> just one name. Actually, you should just can, go with Stormy anyway. Have you thought you of just being a one-name person? Like, if they were like, hey, let's toss it down to Stormacy Bonantoni, like as if my name wasn't already weird, like let's just take it up a notch. You know what I don't understand is that I think we got something here. We don't need to use Tony anymore. Why? Why? Like, Gocher should just be doing what I do when you come on and be like, Stormy! And then you know you're on. <laughs> well, it's funny you say <laughs> that because sometimes when he does talk to me in-game, like a let's check in with Stormy, uh, people yeah. actually tweet at me and are like, "What's? well, why don't he, why doesn't he ever say your last name? I don't understand. And it's, it's you can't win. I swear. You can't win. Yeah. Well, you, did you see this thing we were talking about the other day with Cassidy Hubbard trying to do a, a mid-game interview and Michael Malone just snapping on her. Like she said, Mike, what's going on? And he said, it's Michael. Did you see that? I didn't see the the actual like video of it, but I saw all of the Twitter reaction. And I was like, of course that would happen. I feel like it's such a, it's as if sideline reporting isn't already such a tough job and having to like swoop in there and talk to a coach in moments when he probably doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> then you go, go a short name when he's angry and goes off. Yeah. I, I, know that at some point in my career I'm going to get snapped on. Like, I'm going to have that Nick Saban moment. Uh, but fortunately, I just haven't had it yet. So, let's keep it going. <laughs> Why don't Let's just do this between us and, you know, a few people who are listening. Why don't you use, especially who, for guys who have the, the short version, why don't you go full version when things aren't going that well and see what happens? Like, if the Knights, you know, if the Knights are, are having a rough patch or they're, you know, and you get Pete DeBoer on, just call him Peter all the time and see if he notices. He doesn't like Peter, and it's actually funny how often yep. you will hear like other media that doesn't typically cover the Knights call him Peter DeBoer. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's not his favorite. That's not his thing. But I would like to do that with Max Pacioretty just because Max is short for Maximilian, and oh. that I would just really like that. I think that's a good one. God, that'd be great. Yeah, I want, I want, I want to do this for everyone. You ready to break down hockey, Adam? Or are we going to do names for 10 more minutes? I was going to, no, it's names all the time for me. I, I think, like, what about Johnny Marcheseau? Johnny, John, just go mm. short on it? Yeah, I think any name that you that you say differently than is usually said hey. is perfect. Hey, Johnny. <laughs> well, I mean, in the locker room, you hear people say Johnny Marchie sometimes. They go, like, short okay. and short. Oh, wow. 
It has mm-hmm. a good ring to it, I think. That'll work. Um, okay, easy transition. Just what happened last night? I, I don't know how to go. But what, what happened <laughs> last night with the Golden Knights? Um, highs and lows. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a tough game for sure because you. I mean, the Golden Knights put an emphasis on those first ten minutes and getting out to a good start because there hasn't really been a game in which they've had a good start and they've gotten on the board. And so they were able to do that. Mark Stone comes up with a big goal, gets the largest capacity crowd in T-Mobile in more than a year, really going. And then Minnesota does essentially what we have done to them in this series and bounce back really quickly 52 seconds later with another goal. And then it's just kind of off to the races from there in the first period. And despite, you know, coming out with a pretty – epic historic uh second period out shooting minnesota 22 to 1 it just eventually wasn't enough to overcome a 3-1 deficit unfortunately i think that pete DeBoer summed it up pretty well in his post-game press conference talking about if we had played this game 10 times we might have come out on the winning end nine times but we we didn't win tonight and ultimately that's what you're going to remember is that you weren't able to put away minnesota in this game you've got to now travel and go play them again in their house. Fortunately, the Golden Knights have had some success in this building in the postseason, which they didn't have in the regular season, so they have a different level of confidence here now, I think, than they did initially. But really tough not to be able to close it out at home. They've, isn't it so crazy to think that the Golden Knights, with all of the playoff series that they have won, have not clinched a series victory at home? That's so wild to me to think about. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't use that word. We can't say wild, can yep. we? Wild. I know I was going to point it out, but good job. You already caught it. Uh, it's, it's it's interesting that you pointed out that that quote from DeBoer uh, because it's kind of what we said earlier. Like in a series like this, you saw Minnesota loses three in a row. They make adjustments yesterday. They change their lines a little bit, uh, put you know a younger player in on, on defense, kind of mix things up and change things. And that's what you do when you lose games in a series. But for the Golden Knights, like you lose, I don't think you want to change anything. I think you just come out and try to play the exact same game. Yeah, I, I think that the Golden Knights, and we heard not only from Pete DeBoer, but Mark Stone and Riley Smith, when they talked after the game, for the most part, like they liked they liked what they did. The The early goals that they lit in were, were pretty self-inflicted from what they felt. And, um, you know, you saw in that first goal that, uh, who was it, Zuccarello just kind of, bobs and weaves through the defense and you see Chandler Stevenson, Braden McNabb bump into each other, which leaves Kirill Kaprizov wide open. And, um, you know, there's just things that, things that happen and offensively, the, the shots were there. The chances were there. I want to say like the final shot attempts for the game were 84 to 22, I believe is correct. So like <laughs> they, they had really, really good opportunities and they had a lot of them. And for whatever reason, the bounces just weren't going their way. And, and Minnesota was really opportunistic in the first. And you, you saw as the game went on, they were just fighting to hold on to that lead. And it was enough. Like, there was a, there were a lot of scrums. They, they, you could tell they didn't really want to, at least from my standpoint, from my view, really want to play into the Golden Knights game at all. Um, and that's just the way that things ended up. Minnesota is a very, very desperate team. Like, every game from here on out, they're fighting to keep their season alive. And, I mean, that's the team that you got. So, I, I, don't, I don't want to use the word panic because I don't think it's the right word. But the Golden Knights are aware that they have, you know, blown a 3-1 lead in the past. It wasn't that long ago. It's not like you have to think too far back. You lose this one. Now you go to a place that you've been 
concern for the Knights that they weren't able to wrap it up and that they did keep this series alive and they're opening the door a little bit for the so you cut out a little bit there, but I think that I, I get the gist oh. of what you were asking. Um, and to me, I think that they've learned from those experiences. So the core yeah. of this team has gone through a lot of those experiences, knows what it was like to go down to, to have a 3-1 lead in a series and ultimately not come out on the other end of it. And specifically against this Minnesota team, I mean, they, they haven't had success historically against them. And now... In this playoff, they have experience winning in their building, which is something in regulation they hadn't done at all against this team. So I think that the collective experience and, and times that they've been down and had to work through it is going to help them in this situation personally. I, I don't know how much like you can take from those last two games here in Minnesota, but I know being on the plane and being on the buses after the games that is a very different mood than we have seen in the regular season against Minnesota. So for me, um, you have to have a short memory from a game like yesterday to come out and, and regain that confidence because I think that there was a lot that you're able to learn from those previous experiences. And you have Pete DeBoer on your side now. If we're talking about uh, a series yeah. turnaround, he was on the <laughs> other end of it. If there's anybody that can tell you – you know, what went wrong and what happened and how his team handled it. It's that guy. Completely fair. Uh, I like that angle of this. Uh, uh, let you weigh on this. We've been discussing it amongst ourselves. Is the loss last night our fault here on Kofi Auto Company for having an avalanche guest on yesterday to break down the series? Oh, my gosh. How could you? How could you? No. <laughs> I, I know that a lot of um, that a lot of fans out there really believe in jinxes, believe in in things like that. But I think we've all been around it enough to know that that's it's unfair. It's not right. But uh, I just think that you shouldn't have done it in the first place. What's wrong with you? Getting a little too ahead of yourselves, buddy. Uh, I was looking at flights. I mean, that's probably a jinx too. <laughs> uh, I will. I will also admit. Oh man, it's bad to say. I was sitting in the press box in San Jose in Game 7 looking at flights when the major penalty got called. Oh, no. That's bad. <laughs> but, I, I mean, well, I, 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 a... under... <laughs> I, I understand. In, I understand in media, we have to, you have to prepare. You have to get ahead of yourself uh, a little bit because sometimes you have to book flights to two different places and cancel one depending on the yep. situation or the event that you're covering. So I, I get it. But, I mean, come on, man. Will we see a Game 7, or will we see a Game 1 as their next game after tomorrow? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm i really hoping that they do finish things out here. Um, I, I think that, again, like I said, just from learning from past experiences, uh, that they're not going to want to take this to a Game 7. If it does come down to a Game 7, I think that, um, you know, they're going to have the comfort of winning, of being at home and knowing that they haven't lived up to their standard in terms of wins in this series at home. So there will be kind of an added motivation in that sense. But for me, I think they're unhappy that they had to come here to begin with. They're going to show, uh, they're going to, what's the word, channel that <laughs> into a, a positive way on the ice tomorrow and hopefully close this thing out in six. There you go. Storm of Seas prediction. <laughs> get out at six. I like it. Thank you so much, as always. Enjoy the game. Stormy Tony. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thanks. There she is, Stormy Bonatoni.
Uh, on the way back, we're going to get to our uh, NFL insider on Tuesdays, Miles Simmons, pro football talk, and we'll get his reaction to what Aaron Rodgers told Kay Main last night on ESPN. Get that mortgage tuned up right now. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call at Nova Home Loans. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, let's get into the NFL. We've been in the NFL all day long, but uh, we got some breaking news to get to. A lot of updates on stadium capacity, right, Adam? Yeah. It looks like 30 of 32 teams, so teams. 28 stadiums. So 28 stadiums, okay, are approved to go 100%. Um, we'll get into, it looks like there's, the league is going to require some sort of fan event in July. So we'll get into that. Uh, Miles Simmons is with us, Pro Football Talk. Miles, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you? Things are getting back to normal. Uh, some of this news coming out from the NFL, this is good news. Yes, it is. No, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it, it really does seem like the NFL is trying to make a big push to get people to think that things are as back to normal as they possibly can be. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like by the time we get to September, by the time we get to week one, we probably should feel as normal as we've felt since, you know, Rudy Gobert started pretending like he was coughing on everybody's recorder. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I mean, how how optimistic are you? Like, we hear all these great this great news coming out, and the you know the stories look very positive in, in almost every market. How optimistic are you? Like, this is going to be just a normal football season. Well, I mean, I think that it was pretty normal last year as far as things go. I mean, obviously, like there were some weird schedule things where that games on Tuesday and games on Wednesday and Monday doubleheaders, but. I mean, by and large, they had 256 scheduled games, and they played 256 regular season games. So even when it wasn't normal, the NFL was basically like, no, we're making this as normal as possible, and you guys are just going to have to accept that. And I think the – I mean, this is me just speaking as, like, not as reporter person, but as just, like, Miles person. Like, by the time we get to September, we're probably going to be in a place where – Anybody who wants to get vaccinated will have been vaccinated. And those of us who may need a booster shot, like, we're going to go get it, right? Like, and those of the, us who don't want to get vaccinated are not going to be vaccinated. And so there's, I don't know that there's going to be anything else that we can do about that. So it's going to kind of be like, all right, well, if the CDC says that we don't need to wear masks, anymore and we're vaccinated and you know the cdc is also like if you aren't you should still wear a mask by that time everybody who's not vaccinated still is like bleep you i'm not wearing a mask anymore so i I don't know what we're gonna do by the time we're in september because we're almost at that point i feel like and it's may 25th so i don't know I, i just think about like what we went through last year and how i feel like at this time last year you know it was almost like impossible to think that we would have a regular NFL season with 256 games played. And then we did. So I don't know. I just, it, it the country is probably going to feel pretty normal, even though there are still probably going to be folks who are getting infected with COVID. And unfortunately folks who probably are going to pass away from it because they're not vaccinated. So I don't know, man, I just, it, it, it's just going to be our reality now, and that's what's going to be the new normal. And so I, I don't feel like there's going to be any reasons for the NFL to not feel optimistic by that point. 
Well, let's we'll get into some football in a second, some real football. But you know, to to get uh, less serious for a moment, you saw one of the same videos that I saw this week, which was the Baltimore Ravens rookies trying to identify like ninety singers. Oh yeah. Are we? I mean, I'm older than you, but are we? You old are. Or are they? Stop it. Are they ignorant? <laughs> Uh, you're old and they're ignorant. How about that? No, I, I think it's like, it was weird because some of that I just felt like was bad parenting. Like, how do these people not know who Destiny's Child is? What's going yeah. on there? You know, like, and, and I felt like maybe if they had done this seven years ago, right, when I had just gotten out of college and you, you put up some, I don't know, 90s bands, like, would I really have been able to identify Kurt Cobain and Nirvana? I'm not sure. Like, I, I know Nirvana's music. I know who they are. But if we're, would I have been able to really identify what they look like? I'm not sure. So I kind of get it, but I also don't. It, it was weird just that it was sort of a mind bleep, like, looking at this and thinking, I'm not that much older than these people, but, you know, I, I, how do they not know who these people Like, how do you not know that Beyonce is standing right there and she's in Destiny's Child? Like, what? Miles, I'm pretty sure the Beatles were done as a group way before I was born, but I can tell you who the Beatles are. Yeah, but the Beatles, I feel like, are way more iconic, and they're more... Like, if they had put Michael Jackson there, I feel like everybody would have known who Michael Jackson was, right? Like, the Beatles are one of those 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 uh, bands that are just... They're above everything, right? And, you know, like, same thing I would say probably with Madonna. Prince, I think, would have maybe been tough for some of those folks. But, you know, Beatles, Madonna, maybe Mariah Carey in there. You know, if they put Rihanna there, they probably wouldn't know who Rihanna was, but I guess she's more current. I don't know. I just think about those icons, right? Like, those are the ones that I I just feel like should be identifiable. Well, I think they'd know Michael Jackson from the documentary, not necessarily his music, but that's a discussion for another another time. Uh, Yep. (laughs) Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, uh, (laughs) on with us as he is each and every week. Uh, What did you make of the Aaron Rodgers interview? Um, I thought that Kenny Man actually did a good job. Um, And maybe I shouldn't say actually, um, but like the thing about Aaron Rodgers is he doesn't say anything that is not calculated. And he went on there trying to avoid saying anything that could be a headline. But if you go on SportsCenter, you know that you're going to have to say something that is worth something because it's not like he was going on whatever uh, outlet he was at when he was at the Kentucky Derby and literally said nothing about anything, right? And so I think from that standpoint, Kenny Mayne was good to continue to press Aaron Rodgers on the, to say something because at this point it's been – surrogate of Aaron Rodgers, like his, whether it's his teammates that are current, his former teammates, people have basically had to speak for him and for what he wants. And so even though he didn't directly come out and say, my issues are with X, right? My issues are with ostensibly the front office and Ryan Goodkins or Mark Murphy or whoever it happens to be. He did say, I have no issue with Jordan Love. I have no issue with the coaching staff, which I've got to imagine like took a pretty big weight off of Matt LaFleur's shoulders, even though he probably already knew that. Like I would imagine that Aaron Rodgers would have said at some point, dude, I got no problem with you. Like I in whatever. Like 
Rodgers still did go on Jeopardy and was like, huh, I don't know why they called that play <laughs> right. on fourth down instead of letting me take the snap and kicking a field goal. And stuff. Right, but, like, if he goes on TV and says, I have no issue with the coaching staff, that probably makes you feel better. And he says, I have no issue with my teammates. So then you read between the lines, and it's like, all right, yeah, he has a problem with the front office, and he has a problem with the way he's being treated, which we knew, but he never said before. So I, I at least think it's good at this point that, He's speaking for himself instead of making everybody else speak for him because he's a big boy and he's been in the league for a really long time and he really should be speaking for himself. Do you have any different percentage chance today than you did yesterday that Aaron Rodgers is still in Green Bay when the season starts? Uh, No, and it's because I think it's like, 90 to 95% that he is still in Green Bay when the season starts. I, wow. I, obviously, that could change by the time, um, you know, if, if something else happens. But I just, I, I don't think that this is when he's going to leave. I, I think that if you're Green Bay, you feel like you can get one more year out of this. And even if Aaron Rodgers is angry, and he doesn't like people in the front office, and he doesn't want to talk to them, at this point, it's kind of like, you know, you're either going to play for Green Bay or you're not going to play. Because the only other team that seems really viable as an option for him would be the Broncos. And, I mean, yeah, the Raiders are still in that, you know, that place where, in the AFC West, I should say, it's the division. Um, And they might be, you know, able to get Roger. I just... It just seems like the Broncos would be the one team that would actually work. And I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like that's going to happen. I, I just don't. And I've been wrong before, and I'll probably be wrong <laughs> again. But I, I just think that this year, Rodgers will still be there because he's already sort of paved the way to say, look, my problems are not with the people that I play with. My problems are not with the people you know that, uh, that coach me. My problems are with the people that are on the second floor. It's a second floor problem is so many players like to say to delineate uh, the difference between the football staff and the, and the football operation and everything that's going on on a day-to-day basis in the front office. So like I, that's why I think Rodgers will still be there this year. Uh, sorry to do this to you because you know it's, it's not really fair, but I just saw this headline uh, pop up on TV, so I want to get your thoughts because I'm just kind of blown away by it as I'm thinking about it. This is Deshaun Watson cannot possibly be deposed before early 2022 in his case because of the way the schedule uh, for the court works uh, and for the for the legal system that's that's playing out in Houston like what on earth does this do as I'm just kind of seeing this in my mind as I just saw the headline like what what possibly can the NFL do now like they're in a limbo for a year well <laughs> I mean that Kyle almost sounds like he's going to be on the commission as exemplus right I mean unless these cases get settled, which I, I still feel like there's an opportunity to settle the cases, even though you've got, you know, the a lawyer's posturing and all that. I, I just feel like there is an opportunity for these cases to get settled because that, I mean, that's going to be, I don't want to say the most favorable outcome because it's not necessarily, but that's going to be maybe an outcome that would be a decent enough resolution for all parties that they would be satisfied with it, right? I mean, if you're if, if you're Deshaun Watson, you want these cases to get settled so that you can go back to your life, right? And I think it's not. I think it's crass a little bit to say like move on with your life because 
you need to be able to take accountability for what you do, what you didn't my, do, whatever my, it is, right? So not to, not to cut you off, but like you're, it's almost a business decision. Like like you're saying, no, it is. If you couldn't, if you couldn't possibly to play this year because you're on the exempt list and you have to wait for the process to play out, but you could speed up that process by a year by paying off, say, just throw a number out there, say like twenty million, you can get this year back. Like it might almost be worth it, even though he's not making. I, I don't know. Like those things have to play out in your mind. It's not just whether you're innocent or guilty. Like there might be a price that's worth paying, so you can just play. Absolutely, there is. No, I think you're absolutely right, and that's kind of the way the civil justice system works, it, right? Like because it it's weird to put it like this, and you know people like to say, oh, it's not about the money, but it is about the money in the civil right. justice system because that's literally all it can be about. Right? There's, there is no prison sentence or anything behind bars that can come from the civil justice system. That, that's just the way it works. And so I think that that kind of makes people uncomfortable sometimes when you put it that way. And maybe it should. But like I said, that's the civil justice system. It's about money. You know, you're trying, you're, when you sue somebody, you're suing them to get money from them. So it, 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 it's it's not the best way of putting things, but that's just the way it is. So, yeah, Adam, I think you're right in that there probably is a sum of money that you could say for Deshaun Watson to pay in order to resolve all of these cases so that he can then play football and earn more money as a member of whether it's the Houston Texans or more likely whatever other team that they trade him to. Miles, always a great job. What do you got coming up uh, on the site? What does the site have? Uh, we've got more and more coverage of these OTAs, man. It's been interesting because all of these players and all of these teams that have said, oh, we're not going, we're not going, most of them are all there. So want to read more about who's there and what's going down at all 32 teams for OTAs, you can head on to profootballtalk.com. Scott's covered. Thanks, Miles. Take care, guys. Yeah, Miles' latest story is Cortland Sutton wants to be above and beyond where he was before tearing the ACL. I wonder if the super high attendance at these first, you know, full team activities, part of it is being spooked by what happened to the Broncos, by what happened to Juwan James, by what happened to Deshaun Hamilton. I'm almost positive that it is. Interesting flex in the gambling world. Uh, Big winner of a prop last week. In Doug Kazarian, we'll run that by our gambling expert here on Tuesday, Sam Paniotovich. Cofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should, too. Call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already. For tasting, and there's Cadillacs, all shiny and new. Gotta move, cause time is a wasting. There's such a lot of living to do. All right, we come out right out of the gates, the fat pack. We gotta get an update on uh, Ari's microwave situation. Uh, Ari, once again, for the third straight day, I forgot to look to see if I have a backup microwave for you, but I did right. chastise you the other day as you're struggling with the microwave and uh, it's on it's on the fritz and I said you know you can heat stuff up other ways so have you have you become a man of ingenuity yes that is a great way to say it I sure have uh, I've been 
very resilient, except I did meet, uh, I did hit a wall with rice. I don't understand. I mean, I ate it. It's okay. It's not the end of the world, but I tried to reheat the rice, like you say, in the pot. Oh, I just throw it in the pot. Ew. It's tricky. You have rice every day? Not not by design, but it, it seems like I, I almost, I probably do at least like three or four days out of the week. I don't know. What does that mean? Not by design. It means I don't plan like every day, like, oh, I'm going to eat rice today. Ooh, and again, tomorrow is just kind of what happens. It's what's in there. And it, like, where it comes well, how much rice do you have in yeah, your is house? It, is it always leftover yeah, rice? Why can't you make rice fresh? No, I have. I, I do. I have like rice. I have rice pilaf or I have some, some white rice as well. <laughs> Wait, are you are you Very making exotic. like are you making the rice or is this like yeah. is this out of a, no, a no, frozen yeah. package? No, no, no. You boil it like it's. I'm not again. I will preface this with this is not like extraordinary cooking or anything. But yeah, I take either I boil water, get some white rice, or I have these rice peel off things near east. If you've ever heard of it, it's in a box. And there okay. you go. All right. Well, you, you know you can, you can actually make it. It'd, yeah, it'd so, be good okay. that way. It's hot. To it's answer hot your, when you make it, to you, answer your question, we, then there's leftovers. Yes. Because it's just me, and I can't eat a whole box of rice. I don't know why, if, if that's a normal thing. But so yeah, then there's leftovers. I got to do something with it. I think the the one serving boiling bag would work. Mm. I will buy that next time. I'm just, just trying to help. <laughs> no, no, it's I, good. I know you're, you're 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 caught in limbo here. Uh, today is National Wine Day. Uh, Ari amazingly has a story that completely shocked me. First of all, I didn't even know you worked at the OG. We've talked about Olive Garden so many times. I, I, did, do you know that? No. Okay. Apparently, uh, Ari worked at the OG, so he's got vast, fine wine experience. <laughs> but he worked at the Oof, That's OG. a stretch. Uh, no, not the strip club. <laughs> no, I mean, different strip club. Adam is implying oh. that the wine isn't isn't amazing there. But not the best wine. My list. pockets say otherwise, because I did great when I was there. It's a great wine list. Uh, Ari apparently was a big seller of wines. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We we had would a top. Would you like recommend? Would you recommend like a certain wine to go with a certain dish? Absolutely. Yeah, I have my go-to's. There's the wine food pairings. We had some. Uh, basically, my biggest seller were uh, was Echo de Monte Merlot. Pair that with the nice sausage and pepper rustica. I believe it was called. Uh, these are all just in my head. I remember. Everybody got seafood Alfredo, and so what goes better with that than some riesling? I'm not saying I'm a wine guy, I just but that's what we were trained by, and you know it's just selling from there, upgrades and stuff. So yeah, we had a top five every night alcohol sellers, and I will let you know that, that I, right? I was up there, almost not every night, but a couple nights a week for sure. I was a fixture. How are you not like an upper level Olive Garden sommelier? I don't know. I, I left to pursue radio, and here I am. <laughs> future on the top five on this show hey I'm, I'm in the top five somewhere okay if somebody orders <laughs> every day the, if somebody orders the tour of italy which boxed wine goes best with that <laughs> it's not boxed wine but actually the echo de monte merlot would go great with that a nice wow. medium was... medium bodied merlot with a what is it semi-dry i think i don't know by the way that wasn't a shot at the wine that was a shot at ordering the tour of italy which i love i love the tour i i have a feeling like ari sounds like he knows what he's talking about with these pairings but we may have to call in breadstick nick who used to work at the og and see if ari's just absolutely full of crap or we could actually talk to one of the probably hundreds of legit wine 
people in town, real sommeliers, to, to, <laughs> to see if Ari's completely blowing this. Didn't Ari just say, like, the, the Merlot for everything? I feel like he just used it for, like, four different dishes. It's, it's a good one. I made a lot of money on Echo de Mani. It sounds fancy. <laughs> it's here's to tomorrow in Italian, and it's, like, $5 at your local grocery store. But would people really would you liked tell it. Him, would you tell them it meant here's for tomorrow in Italian? Was that your big sale, your big, like, close? What the the here's to tomorrow? No, I mean just it just depended. I I'm in my I'm not a good salesperson, but for some reason in that in that arena I was, and I just would feel people out. We had like language and all these different things. They have a lot of protocols there, and I found that when you went outside of said protocols, you could really get get with the people and figure out what they wanted to buy. That's how I sold nice a job. lot of wine. There you go. Nice job, Ari's rich ways of the past. Impressive, my friend. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Coolfield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. We talk all things betting uh, here during part of the show. Adam, you and I talked about a little bit, right? Did we talk on the air about uh, Doug Kazarian, ESPN, former uh, local anchor, and his big uh, prop bet win in the NFL draft? He was off. It was off? Okay, well, now it's on. Um, <laughs> and it came down to a prop that it looks like a player was just listed differently yeah. than he was in other places. And yeah, we, we were, we were talking it out. Like, you know, would the book challenge that? Is it actually good for the book? Because you have a big time ESPN personality. <laughs> it's Doug Kazarian. We, we love Doug, but no, he's a big, he's a big time name now. So is it, is it good for the book? Like, Hey, just pay him. And we're going to get, and they, as a, you know, as it turned out, he did get a lot of attention for this win. I, I don't know. I wonder Sam Paniotovich is with us. Sam's out of New England now, formerly out of Chicago. He writes for Fox Sports as well and is with Nesson. Sam, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm watching the Celtics already down two touchdowns in the first quarter. Not good. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, I wanted your take on the, the Kazarian win and, you know, the, the way it went down. Because uh, it was legit, but I could see books challenging him. And I just wonder from the book standpoint if they were like, hey, you know what? This is, this is good publicity. For us, you know, let's just show, hey, you know, even the biggest, uh, you know, betting names out there can win against us. Well, I mean, it was a technicality because the, the prop was, wasn't it the first safety taken and the guy's not really a safety or, or vice versa. He's a corner and wasn't a corner. Like, yeah. I, they didn't really have to pay him, you know, but I, I, think, I think there's some intimidation there by the platform and the profile I just didn't understand why it had to go public, you know, because it's like, you know, Doug Kazarian makes huge winning bets. I mean, you know, it sounds like he complained about them not paying him, and then they paid him, and then it still ends up in the Review Journal and the Action Network and, and all over the place. So I guess that's my biggest question. If they paid him out and, and took care of him, which they clearly did, why is it still a story? I feel like it should have been sort of swept under the rug, but I mean, that, that's how I would have handled it at least. Well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you this. Why is it a story? Because people read it. Um, and, and, you know, I wonder every day why, you know, we as a newspaper at the Review Journal cover slot jackpots. But guess what? People love them and read them. It's such a, it's such a weird thing to me. But people love seeing stories of people that win a lot of money. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll get to this, though, Sam. I'll ask you on this because you are somebody that goes on television and goes on radio and you give out plays. The first criticism I saw 
uh, of this story and of Doug in particular. And full disclosure, you know, we know Doug. Doug's a friend of mine. Um, but the first criticism I saw is, dude, I watch your show every day. You never told me to bet that. Like, how much responsibility <laughs> is it? How much responsibility <laughs> yeah, is really. it on us as media people who talk about betting? Like, if if we see something like this, to talk about it and to disclose it to people. That's a very good point. You know, I don't think Doug's talking about eighty percent of the bets he makes. If you know what I mean, it's just it's <laughs> it's a situation where he got he got good information. Look, you tip your cap. I mean, I, you know, the one story at the Review Journal said that you know he was working with a professional better, and he said, "Hey, this guy, you know, this guy's probably going to go um, first. He's probably going to go under his draft position number." and and Doug jumped on it. You know, I also think there's another, you know, I'm just, if I'm an employee of the MGM, the question is this, you know, why did he bet this at a kiosk and not at the counter? Like, that's the other angle, too. You know, there are so many sides of the story, and I feel like I don't have all the full details. I, hey, man, if they're going to pay him out and he won the bet, good for him. That's, that's awesome. That's bigger than any bet I will ever win and more money than I will ever bet. But, you know, I, I think there's a, lot, there's a lot that isn't really being discussed here. You know, because if that's at the kiosk, you just put it in and it just takes it. Put that at the counter and somebody knows they're doing it. Go wait a minute, this guy's not a safety. So you know it's an error. In, in the foremost, it's an error on MGM. And you know if I'm running MGM, somebody's getting fired over this because we shouldn't have lost that. But we then paid it not just to save face, but at the end of the day, it's a huge mistake by the sports book, and somebody should have lost their job. Well, I mean, there's a lot of media questions that go into it too. Like I. I I don't even want to get into the what ESPN may have known and what their draft people may have known about Trayvon Merrick and his back situation that wasn't public, and that's the only reason that the bet ended up winning. By the way, who, much... who, can we, who was the player? And it was a, it was a cornerback who was listed as a safety, but is really a cornerback. Yeah. So it was it was Tyson Campbell, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just to just to get the name out there, yeah. and the bet was for how much? Uh, I I thought it was like around three thousand. Okay, and he won three hundred thousand. Yeah, it was like a hundred to one. Okay. Uh, but I mean, again, I don't want to talk. I'm not talking about this in particular. I, I'm just talking right. about the more, like the like as media grows and continues to grow, and people like yourself and like us, like we are in this business too. Like there is a debate to be had of like when we're making bets, like it's against our best interest as betters to make this information public. But how much how much responsibility do we have? And I, again, I'm not talking about this case in particular. I just mean in general, as more and more people are in this business. Like, how are we going to balance this? It's a very interesting Venn diagram. You're, you're onto something here. <laughs> you know, let me give you an example that, that I, you know, Colfield, you and I talked about this uh, before the Big Ten Championship. I said, look, I know some people around Ohio State that are saying that this team is about to get slammed with COVID and that, you know, 18, 20 players all have COVID and nobody knows about it yet. Watch what happens tonight. It's going to go from Ohio State minus 20 and a half. It's going to go through 17. It's going to get to 16 and a half. Then it's going to get back up. And a lot of my bosses at Nesson and Fox were very pleased with the reporting. But then you get some people on Twitter like, wow, you've got inside information. Well, yes and no. I, like, I'm not covering the team. I'm not privy to, like, insider trading. Like, I know somebody who's a booster at Ohio State. Like, at what point am I doing something wrong? You know, like, I'm not, like, I, it's it's a very weird spot because like you're you're yeah. also you're sort of reporting on information, but you're also like you're touching that that line. You're like you're right up against it, and what's legal and what's not. Like I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't work for the team. I don't cover the team. I'm not around the team physically, so I'm not leaking information 
from Ohio State practice or Ohio State campus, it's being brought to my door. What do I do with it? You know, and I ask myself this all the time. Like, what's right and what's not? If I get something good, I share it. I pick it, I tweet it, and we go from there. But it's it's a very murky pond right now, and, and not everybody attacks it the same way. Sam Paniadovich is with us. Let's go back to last week before we go to tonight and Lakers and Suns. Uh, Mickelson, big winner for some people, uh, 250 to 1, 300 to 1. I didn't know many people who nailed it, but you got some interesting tweets where uh, there were some people who loaded up on multiple <laughs> sites. And, and if these are legit screen caps, they want a lot of money. Yeah, I do. This guy, uh, you know, Cecil Picks, you know, he's a golf handicapper. And he hit him, you know, 250 to 1 here, 280 to 1 there, 300 to 1 there. You know, I don't care how much you bet. If you bet ten bucks, that's a nice payout, buddy. I mean, that's that's a lot of yeah. money. And then Johnny Avello told uh, Patrick Everson from Covers that somebody bet. I think it was a thousand dollars on Phil there. At, you know, three hundred to one. That's three hundred thousand wow. dollars right there. And I go back, and here's where I get upset. I think about all the fifty and hundred dollar bets I wasted on Billy Horschel and you know Steve Stricker and. You know, Ernie Else when he was 60 years old, and I'm like, you know, I, this never even crossed my radar. I never even thought about Phil for this bet. Like, I would have never bet Phil in this round, but I wasted a lot of other monies on golfers that weren't even anywhere near as prestigious as Phil Mickelson. I, I wish I had that thought, but of course I did. I, I actually had, like, I love the, the gambling world. It's so funny, but uh, I have a friend of mine uh, in Colorado who – Liked Phil Mickelson this week. He bet five dollars on him at two hundred fifty to one. Uh, Superbook Sports actually tweeted out his his <laughs> bet, like his uh, his screen cap because he had posted it on Twitter. And the first response from somebody was like, "What an idiot! You like Mickelson and you only bet five dollars on him? Like, okay, where's your ticket? Two fifty to one. What do you? This is the gambling world. But the best part is, my friend responded to the guy and he's like, "I don't I don't know. I bet him. I took a shot. What's wrong with that? And then the guy blocked him." Like that's the Twitter oh world. Oh my for god! You. <laughs> uh, so cool. Sam, let's close on this. Uh, what do we do with this game with the Lakers and the Suns? I wrote about this on Saturday, and I wrote about it again today. This is—I've seen this movie with LeBron a million times. He beat Chicago three times, 11, 13, and fifteen every single year of those three. They won Game One. They were all excited. LeBron was in trouble. LeBron needed more help. And then guess what? LeBron won Game Two and then finish them off in either five or six. We have seen this movie before. The guy has never prioritized game ones. He never has. In fact, in his last 11 game ones, four and seven, four wins and seven losses. You're going to have his attention now. It's almost like LeBron doesn't care until you poke the bear. He's going to go over 24 and a half points. I got the Lakers on the money line, and I got the Lakers to win the series now, too. That's the other thing. Remember, William Hill opened up the series, Lakers minus 300. You can get the Lakers to win this series at minus 110. The guy has never lost in the first round. He's 14-0 and all time. You think the league's going to change all that right now? There ain't a chance in hell. The league. <laughs> all right, Sammy, that was awesome. Really good discussion, especially with uh, you and Adam about, uh, you know, the, the integrity, the journalistic angle. That was really good stuff for the audience. Thank you. All right, let's study up. We got college football win totals now. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> we will. We will. We ran out of time. I appreciate it, Thanks, Sam. Man. Yeah, college football yeah. win totals are out and also college football games of the year, and there were some big moves. Uh, we'll hunt down someone tomorrow uh, to talk about uh, both, actually, because uh saw some lines move pretty drastically already. I think uh, I didn't see the latest, but I know Alabama-Miami opened up at 
Uh, Bama 13. It's already up to 17. So the sharps jump on that stuff pretty quickly. Big five is on the way. And the next hour, we're also going to get into uh, the Raiders a little bit. Also the A's uh, potential move as our buddy on Tuesday's Q Myers will check in. Get that mortgage tuned up right now. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call at Nova Home Loans.